It's time for JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. Cranky Yankee. I'm just giving you your Yankee update. This is the 2021 New York Yankees. Every way you can choke, you choke in dramatic fashion. Cranky Yankee. JT the Brick. Britain can't get it done. He walks a runner with a one and two count and then a game winning home run, which would have been a game tying home run, and the Yankees lose. You fire Aaron Boone and you leave him in the cornfield for the children of the corn to find him. Cranky Yankee. I'm just giving you your Yankee update. Get the blank out of here. And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of the show, JT with you, brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Remy Martin now has the botanist gin, the cool, refreshing way to get you through this week. 108, 109, 107. Are you out of your mind? Have you seen the weather report for this week? Sit out by the pool, sit outside under some type of mist machine, get in the pool with a botanist gin, make it ice cold and cool. Botanist gin, a proud partner of our show as we bring you hour number two here the breaking news alex leatherwood gone from the raiders trayvon mullen traded to the arizona cardinals for a conditional seventh round pick uh that's what we know so far we're waiting on more breaking news to see what plays out here more breaking news as it plays out uh we got a couple of guests coming up here momentarily i'll tell you about that and you know i'm not shocked by everything i'm not shocked because i know i'm not shocked because i know what dave ziggler's doing and he's just weeding out all the players from the former regime he doesn't want. But is it alarming? Is it, is it, it's not bizarre. It's unique. It's unique what he's doing here. Alex Leather was 17th overall a year ago. We're not talking three years ago, not getting his fifth-year option picked up. Benjamin Brown in a few minutes. Raider man. Good to hear from you, my friend. Kick off the hour on all this breaking news with the Raiders. What's going on, JT? Glad to hear your voice, brother, man. You are, Same here. Man, I've been banging the drums like a crazy man. I can't help myself. But I had to time, chime in today because, one, I want to wish Mr. Alex Leatherwood a, a good career. You know, he's not mm-hmm. a, a bum or anything. The dude's got some talent. It's just that he was put in a, a highly precarious position. And I, and I really hated that because, me, I'm not one of those that like to bang the drum of I told you so. But we had some highly, highly contentious conversations over the last year behind this athlete. And when we had the draft party last year, you know, I made some comments. It wasn't nothing really too derogatory. I was trying to tell the truth. But all the truth is coming out in the pudding right now. You know, these are kids. Yes, he's a grown man in, in the essence of years, chronology. But as a, an adult, as a person, he still has a lot of development to do as a person, let alone as an athlete. So you're drafting a guy who doesn't even belong on that side. He doesn't even play that position. Despite the award, he's got a great level of transition to make and i just think that they put the hill way up too tall for that man to be able to climb so it's unfortunate for him but i'm really hoping that you know not only does he land on his feet but that he Mm -hmm. finds his inner potential and really be able to grow through what he's going through right now you know on another note i know last year you was banging the drum about michael parsons i was Mm -hmm. on zayvon collins and and, you know it's like that that middle linebacker i wanted the godzilla type i wanted the big boy wear the green dot parsons is doing pretty damn good for himself but I tell you what, it's, 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 it's not so much ironic, but it's, it's interesting to see Trayvon Mullen end up over in Arizona playing with Zabin because that defense is being bolstered. And I'm just curious because I think it's a good move for us as the Raiders with the moves that Mr. Ziegler is making. Like you said, he's clearing out the dead cash space. He's going to mm-hmm. fill these spaces with what he believes belongs there. Yep. And that's the, the, real, the, the real winning combination that we need to push forward. 
So, you know, I'm hopeful because, you know, I'm never going to start rooting for my team. But, you know, it's good to see that some of the real moves to make a football team are being made. It's a new day. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm really holding out court because I'm curious to see, and I'm not trying to jinx him, I'm curious to see what happens with Josh Jacobs now because we do need that right tackle. We've got to bolster this offensive line. We don't have many more pieces, and we don't have a whole lot of money. So we got to start putting some things together and get some packages and go, you know, put, set the hair on fire and come out the barn blazing. So yep. know, we'll see what happens. You know, Josh, hang in there. I hope you have a ball out season. But if not, I'm praying that we okay. make all the right moves. No holes barred. Thanks, Thanks my friend. Thank you, Raider, man. Good to hear from you. As I bring in Benjamin Brown, kind enough to join us, a great insider, pro football focus, and the ability to break down games with analytics from a gaming perspective. And, Ben, I'll tell you, let's start off first off with Alex Leatherwood. You didn't have a high grade for him. He was waived by the Raiders earlier today. That's not a big surprise to you. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily not a big surprise, but it is, uh, you know, kind of reflective of what has happened with the Raiders over the past, you know, three or four years in draft picks. And I think, uh, you know, some people would say maybe they gave up on too early. He definitely hasn't graded well from, you know, a PFF pass blocking or run blocking perspective, but uh, there was still maybe some time for him to grow into some sort of role that could have been at least mildly productive. And I do think he's going to get, you know, another chance at the NFL level here relatively soon. What do you think of the trade scenarios, though, around the league when you know the clock is ticking and it gets right down to the wire here? And we saw that move. The Saints traded C.J. Gardner-Johnson to the Eagles. The Eagles love that deal, absolutely love that deal. And there's a bunch of Saints fans scratching their head. Where does he project? What does his numbers show? Yeah, definitely. I do think he, you know, allows for them to kind of play this, you know, hybrid slot corner slash free safety type look uh, and kind of lock down, um, you know, the, the slot position at the wide receiver. And I do think that's kind of where they got uh, beat up in that playoff game last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think controlling that particular position, you know, with the guy like Chauncey Gardner is very beneficial to their overall team outlook. So uh, I understand why people are high on the Philadelphia Eagles. And I do think that they are, you know, uh, very quickly going to move to be, you know, the, the, the favorite in the, you know, the NFC East division to actually win that division. I think yeah, you know, right now they're tied with Dallas, but uh, I think they're definitely going to move as, you know, the favorites here relatively soon. Yeah. Do you believe that because of Dallas's injuries up front, especially at left tackle that Philadelphia roster wise might be a little bit ahead? You know, Dallas fans think they have Dak, Dak Prescott, who's better than Jalen Hurts. I'm a Jalen Hurts guy. I think he's a hell of a player. So I think that division is going to be separated from one game. You're going to be an analytics guy and look at grades and numbers here. The bouncing of a ball in that two-game series, a missed field goal or not, can decide the division, and the loser of that division might not get a wild card. So I think it, you're right. It comes down to Philly and Dallas. Yep, definitely. I mean, I agree with you. I do think you know uh, the Dallas Cowboys injury situation hasn't been great. I do think it's been relatively negative as, as they move through training camp, not only losing Tyrone Smith, but they also have, you know, the Michael Gallup lingering situation kind of banged up at wide receiver. So it really is Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. And I think outside of those two players, uh, the whole of what Philadelphia has already built, especially along the offensive line, uh, is just so much further ahead that you have to start to ask, you know, how big of a, how big of a separator is you know, Dak Prescott to Jalen Hurts. And I think if we see Hurts kind of take that next step here in 2022, uh, that gap is going to be very narrow very quickly. Now that's when, you know, the Eagles potentially even, you know, run away with this division when it's all said and done. He's from Pro Football Focus. Benjamin Brown joins us. What did you think about the Garoppolo move and the restructure and how it goes against their cap, what the upside will be if he gets in there to play? It looks like the ultimate insurance policy, and Garoppolo had to agree to it with his agent and cooperate. How'd you see the deal? 
Yeah, definitely. It was it was interesting. I think when you you know obviously looking back on it now, it seems more obvious than when we were kind of in the thick of it. With is he going to get traded, cut, everything else? But uh, there was just not enough open starting quarterback positions for Jimmy Garoppolo to be the guy on a different team. Enough questions around him as far as you know, could he perform without this Kyle Shanahan type structure? where the only spot where he seemed to be a fit at, as a starting quarterback would have been in Seattle. Obviously, San Francisco didn't want to give him up to a division rival, uh, so you see them kind of work some things out. And if, and if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a backup quarterback anywhere in the NFL, his best bet you know, for both his career-wise and potentially to be a starter in the NFL further on down the road is to stay in San Francisco. So it seems like when you kind of look back at it through that angle, it was the most obvious decision. It helps them from a, you know, a team perspective because I think with Trey Lance at quarterback, you know, their, their ceiling is a lot higher. Uh, they do have, you know, a lot more potential for, you know, offensive output, explosive type plays with him giving them kind of this run-pass option, but also being able to make every throw on the football field. But there's a lot of downside risk, and we didn't really see that you know, taken into account from even really a betting perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think that ended up with you know, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo potentially being that insurance policy, kind of like you mentioned, uh, offering them some poor outcome if Trey Lance ends up struggling. So 49ers hedging their bet a little bit with Trey Lance, but I think it was uh, you know, the right decision at the end of the day. Benjamin Brown, Pro Football Focus, as we wrap it up. Give me one or two teams that you're fading when it comes to the season win total and maybe one or two teams that you really like to go over the number. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I do really like Cincinnati to, um, you know, probably exceed expectations once again. Obviously, Mm. uh, people want to say there's this sort of Super Bowl hangover type curse. I think that they have, uh, you know, greatly improved on their, you know, 2021 weaknesses built along that offensive line. And granted, they are a little bit banged up right now, but I think they're a team that you can definitely buy into in the AFC North. Um, I also kind of like the New York Giants to go over their win total plus 125. Uh, I like Brian DeBull at, at, at the head coach position. I do think he's going to be able to maximize what Daniel Jones puts forth. So I like those two teams. Um, I, I know we already mentioned this one, but I do think the Cowboys not to make the playoffs at like a plus 185 price. Uh, that's a spot that I can definitely get on board with. And then uh, really popular team, but uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, I actually think, uh, you know, could potentially have more difficulties than what the market. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Let me interrupt. I finally found the guy. I've been looking all over the world. I went to Indonesia. I went to South America. I went to Canada. I haven't found anybody who's fading the Chargers. Everybody's in love with the Chargers. I'm sorry to interrupt. Continue. No, I mean, that's, that, and, and that can be part of the, uh, the handicap or whatever, right? I do think that when every single person is on board with this team that uh, has become increasingly popular, their number uh, has drastically changed to the point where there is some downside risk to them, right? Not only is there injury-type you know, situations that can happen, J.C. Jackson already banged up, but uh, their the wide receiver unit uh, is made out to be so much better than what it actually is. Keenan Allen, you know, wide route running ability and everything else, is sort of, you know, understood to be, uh, you know, ageless or whatever. Like, he's not going to regress as bad as other uh, wide receivers his age because he's never really been all that fast. But I think that's a little bit of an oversight. Mike Williams has never really been a guy that has separated downfield, high contested catch rate. So he needs to kind of not necessarily get lucky in those one-on-one type of situations, because those are a lot more random than a guy getting separation on a cornerback play in and play out. And I think if those two things happen, their best offensive weapon is really Austin Eckler. Uh, there is a chance that we don't see Justin Herbert finish as, you know, a top three or top five uh, quarterback. And I think, and in the AFC West, given how difficult it could potentially be, 
that could be enough for them to not make the playoffs once again. And it's not like they actually ended up doing it last year. We haven't necessarily seen them make that leap yet. So uh, maybe I want to see them prove it first. All right, last one here, because I know you're sharp in all of football. How many people are taking Notre Dame with the points against Ohio State? This is Notre I mean, Dame. Is good, this, this is not the sisters of the poor here. This is Notre Dame, and they're catching 17 and a half. How's this playing out in your mind? I mean, that's the thing, right? We're looking at a two versus five matchup, and I think in some ways speaks to where, you know, the state of college football right now, when you have a two versus five team, uh, and they are, you know, not getting anything whatsoever from a spread perspective. So, I don't know. I kind of like – I think Notre Dame can definitely handle it. Um, I think they're in play basically right now. So, I think, you know, at plus 17 and a half, uh, if I was going to take one side, I do think it would definitely be Notre Dame. I'm also maybe leaning more towards, you know, uh, defensive struggling what a lot of people project. So, under, under 59 and a half, I think, is probably uh, my favorite bet. And coinciding with those two, uh, you know, putting those things together – if Notre Dame covers, the game is much more likely to go under. So that's how I kind of see this particular game playing out. And it'll probably be the last time we talk to you until the start of the season. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Is there anybody you're leaning to when it comes to MVP? Is there, is there a dark horse or are you going with a favorite to win the NFL MVP? I mean, that, that is a really good question. I do think there's, uh, you know, maybe some value. And again, I talked about liking the Bengals, but uh, I think if the Ravens end up getting there, I do like Lamar Jackson once mm-hmm. again to repeat. But um, I think it's, I think this is kind of a Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, prove it type season. And I think he's kind of got the chip on his shoulder a little bit. So I know he's, you know, up there with the betting favorites. But I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be the best player in the NFL. And we'll see if uh, voters actually give him the award once again or not. Thanks, Ben. Good to talk to you. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, JT. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus. Appreciate him coming on. Howard Balzer, who's a Hall of Fame voter and an Arizona Cardinal now insider, just reported that the Cardinals, with Trayvon Mullen, the trade with the Raiders, he broke down the deal here. He said Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury was asked on Tuesday if something was coming in regards to the team's cornerback room. Quote, he said, we'll see how the next couple of days play out lo and behold the cardinals traded for former raiders cornerback trayvon mullen hours later ian rapaport reported it turns into a six-round pick based on playing time the cardinals announced that the deal is for an undisclosed 2023 pick rapaport reported that the raiders plan to cut mullen had they not found a trade partner who was announced the final hour before the rosters needed to get to 53 mullen was selected in the second round of the 2019 draft So he has one year left on his rookie contract. He played college ball at Clemson, where he earned second All-ACC honors in 2018 and were teammates with Cardinals linebacker Isaiah Simmons, who I thought was a hell of a player when he came out. Hell of a player when he came out. In three seasons, Mullen was targeted 179 times and allowed a completion percentage of 59.8. He intercepted four passes and defended 28 others. And he adds much-needed depth to the Cardinals' secondary. So they had to do this deal. Uh, assuming the deal is completed, Mullen will face his former team in Week 2 when the Cardinals head to Vegas. Big deal, yeah, because of what he knows of the playbook. That's important, and all teams know that, and all teams will adjust their playbook and their verbiage and all that. But Trayvon Mullen knows Patrick Graham's defense from sitting in every meeting, so he'll know the tendencies of Patrick Graham's defense. At least he'll tell the coaches on what's going to happen in that game as they try to attack Kyler Murray. And he knows the Raiders' verbiage on offense with Josh McDaniels and what Derek Carr likes to do. So that's something to bring up here. 
But Trayvon Mullen's another guy who did not live up to the hype. Good player, very good player. Am I surprised he's not here? Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm not shocked. Open lines, we shouldn't have any today. We're trying to keep the phone lines going because we don't know if there's going to be more breaking news. So that's the interview I had lined up. We're open to the top of the hour. 702-365-9200. Let's fit in Mitch in Jersey. How are you, Mitch? Hey, doing, JT. I'm, I'm doing well. It's, been, it's great uh, out here. Um, mm. See, that's what we should do. We should have kept our mouth shut. But either way, we look any way. If he starts another team, that's bad on us. And if he doesn't pan out, first round pick, uh, these talents, but we're going to win despite, I think, Josh. We're going to have a good year. All right, we should have gotten Mitch. something. Thanks, Mitch. Look, they, they, tried, they couldn't trade him. He was too expensive. They couldn't trade him. He was too expensive. No one was going to trade for that price. No one. So they, they tried, and there's no doubt that Dave Ziegler tried. When I talk to him, when we get him on the radio, I'll ask him specifically about that today. But the Raiders sent Trayvon Mullen to the Cardinals for a seventh that could become a sixth, and there's been a lot of movement here today. Okay, A lot of people in the media are, are really getting on the Raiders hard today. Ari Mirov, who's a very good insider and has got a lot of good sources, Reminds everybody of the Raiders' first-round picks from 2019 to 2021. 2021, Alex Leatherwood cut. 2020, Henry Ruggs III cut. 2020, Damon Arnett cut. 2019, Cleve Farrell, 50-year option declined. Josh Jacobs, 50-year option declined. Jonathan Abram, 50-year option declined. Writing's on the wall. And the Raiders releasing Alex Leatherwood, the 17th overall pick in last year's draft, as Ari wrote, the new regime, not wasting time here. Yeah, that's a good way I would sum it up, too. It's a good way to sum it up. 702-365-9200. Get in now. You've all had opinions all summer long. You kept me up at night with Leatherwood, so you owe me a phone call on this. And do you believe in this situation? Moving on from him, would you have given him another year? Would you have moved him inside to right guard? Or do you believe that Dave Ziegler has a plan in place and he wants to move on for the former players that he doesn't see having a role? I heard a little bit of Vinny on the morning show, and Vinny said it best. If they don't see any upside with the player and they don't want to invest time in putting in practice and film study and working and feeding and you know spending time with the player over the – not this, this year, next year, you get rid of them now. And that's what they thought of Trayvon Mullen and Alex Leatherwood. It's a business. Sometimes business is hard and cold, and today's a tough business day for Trayvon Mullen. He gets to go to Arizona. That's a pretty good place to play. They're a good team, very good team. It's a great place to live out in Scottsdale. It's close to Vegas. It's close to L.A. Trayvon Mullen's probably going to be happy with the situation there. It could be a lot worse. And Nate Hobbs is the big winner today. I mean, we all knew that. Nate Hobbs is probably going to start on the outside along with Rocky Sin. 702-365-9200, anywhere where you're listening to the show, on the Raiders mobile app. I want to hear from Raider fans in New York, in the Midwest, in Florida, in the Bay Area, Los Angeles, where there are more Raider fans than anywhere in the world. You're streaming the show. Come on in. When we come back on the other side, we'll get into Leatherwood again, Trayvon Mullen, and wait for the Raiders to announce fully who's here and who is gone. And I got my uh, tweet deck up here. Looking at everybody and waiting to see the updates from Tashawn Reed, Vic Tafer, Paul Gutierrez, Vinny Bonsignor. I'm on the radio talking to you. When they find out, they'll tell me and I'll tell you or the Raiders will tell me. It's a busy day today on the flagship of the Raiders.
Yeah, I'm positive about everybody. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, they're all working really hard. Um, and, you know, we'll, it'll be exciting, obviously, when some of these guys come back. And, um, you know, as soon as that's the case, they'll be out there and, you know, hopefully reintegrate, you know, to our group. And I know this, they're, they're studying hard. They're involved in everything we're doing. Um, you know, and when they're ready to practice, you know, they'll, they'll rejoin us. Josh McDaniels, JT, back with you on Raider Cutdown Day. We know of Trayvon Mullen traded to the Arizona Cardinals and Alex Leatherwood released. Vic Tafer from The Athletic uh, tweeted on August 22nd, new regime don't care about old regime's bad contracts. They will try and salvage bad draft picks for a little bit, at least. That was a very good tweet because it made sense with Kenyon Drake. And then Vic went on to say, they gave Leatherwood three preseason games, and then they knew they had to move on. They had to move on from Alex Leatherwood. And that was about it. They, they just That's a $7.8 million dead money cap hit. Why is that? Because they just couldn't deal with him on the roster. They didn't want him on the roster. They didn't believe that he brought any added value. That's what the term is. It really is added value. What do you think today in Raiderland on this move, and especially Trayvon Mullen? Every move coincides with another player getting an opportunity. Raider fans, I think Nate Hobbs gets the opportunity. Anthony Averett, the depth at the cornerback position. I don't love the depth at the cornerback position. I don't. I like Casey Hayward better than all these guys. Nate Hobbs has more upside than Casey Hayward. But Casey Hayward's gone. He was the Raiders' best corner last year. They're hoping Rocky Asin, who's missed a portion of training camp, could get it done. He comes back healthy at the right time. And Nate Hobbs has just got to get better and better and better. It's going to be very important that Nate Hobbs is able to start, and in the nickel, he can play in the slot, and they got to have some depth there. But the stronghold for the Raiders has not been the depth of their secondary. And with Jonathan Abram, as we look at the players who should be here, including thing John Abram, John, John Abraham, when you look at the players, Jonathan Abrams, excuse me, I don't like them in the passing game. I don't like Jonathan Abrams in the passing game one bit unless he improved dramatically, which I didn't see because I wasn't at every practice and every one-on-one drill. But he had to have gotten better if he's going to be on the team here. And then the other big question is Clee Farrell. What does Clee Farrell do and what opportunity does he have considering he probably at some point played himself off this team, off this team? So the Ian Rappaport 28 minutes ago, the deadline has come for teams to get down to 53-man rosters, but as always... These are not final. It's the initial 53 with plenty of moves to come. So we're waiting for the announcements from the Raiders. 702-365-9200 as we continue. We've got about another half an hour to go here. Your opinions on the moves made today and what you wish for Alex Leatherwood going forward. If you got a chance to know Alex, if you met him, if you think he's a really good player, uh, what do you think happens next for him? Jimmy Garoppolo is the biggest story. That contract was done yesterday. He restructured. Ian Rappaport talked about it on NFL Network, how the Niners came together, came back together with Jimmy G. This would not have even been possible. This would have been crazy had the 49ers and Garoppolo not maintained a really strong relationship through the course of an extremely, extremely tricky transition from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance. Somehow, someway, everyone maintained good feelings. It wasn't like Garoppolo was kicked out of the building. He was literally on the field next to the 49ers where they were practicing. All of that made this possible. Then when it became clear to all sides that the best option was for him to literally go nowhere, 
just kick the can a little bit on a possible trade. Maybe they could do one midseason. Maybe he's an insurance policy. Maybe he's just a backup. This was really the best case for all different parties, uh, considering all the options. And it just had to, they had to maintain strong feelings for this to happen. And somehow, some way, they all Yeah, and that's how it happened. I think that's a hell of a move for the 49ers. 49ers could have been in a lot of trouble if they didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo back at that reduced price, and they didn't really have a big-time backup for Trey Lance, and Trey Lance doesn't play well. Uh, There's a chance for this to be the ultimate soap opera in the Bay Area. If Trey Lance gets off to a slow start and and their schedule is kind of easy early, if they don't play well and they want to bench him for Jimmy Garoppolo, that is the pure definition of a quarterback controversy. There's not one now because everyone in the Bay Area is on the same page with Trey Lance. The second he struggles, everybody's going to be calling for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know it. I just said it. Also sound from Bill Belichick on Matt Jones avoiding a sophomore slump because at this point in time, Jones does not look like he had a good camp. He didn't have a good preseason. Josh McDaniels is no longer there as the offensive coordinator. Is Belichick concerned? Yeah, Max had a great attitude every day. He comes in early. He's ready to work. We go to work. At the end of the day, we talk about what happened, make corrections, make adjustments, come in and do it the next day. So he's one of our most consistent workers and prepares very well. So I haven't seen any anything other than that. Yeah, he, the sophomore slump is coming. I just think it's set up for him to just struggle. At this point, he's going to have to struggle here a little bit. More from Belichick on the overall Patriot preseason that ended on a long road trip to Las Vegas. If you look at preseason, are you able to give this team a grade? No, preseason is preseason. Preseason is about developing your team for the season and evaluating players. So if you look at the play time in our games and, and any other games, I mean, I don't know. I don't think Las Vegas played 30 players. I don't think Carolina played. Uh, must have been 30 players that didn't play in their game. It's, that's not really what preseason's about. Preseason's about evaluating the players that you do play and taking the practice time and, and joint practices or whatever time you have to prepare your team for the regular season. And where everybody is on that, we'll see after you know five, six weeks of the regular season. Mm. That's, that's what we'll know. I, mean, I don't think this preseason game's a real big indicator of what the team is or isn't one way or the other. And that uh, that's not about us. It's about the NFL. But you get a great t- chance to evaluate players, and I think that'll be the focus this week of the thousand or so transactions that take place across the league. Is there a way you can improve your team? Uh, somebody want to improve their team by from one of your players um, and how it all fits together. You can't have depth everywhere, so you have to choose what positions you want to have depth at on the roster, what positions you want to have depth on in the practice squad. Assuming you can get all the players that you want, which you usually can't, so that causes some other adjustments. But that's kind of what this week is about, setting your roster, figuring out how you want to try to play the season, and then there'll be a lot of adjustments along the way, but you have to start somewhere. That's basically the Bible, an explanation on what the preseason is from the greatest to ever do it, Bill Belichick, evaluating the players that played, right? And that's exactly what happens with Josh McDaniels and Bill Bel- uh, Dave Ziegler. They come from the Belichick tree, and they evaluated the guys who played. You know, Max Crosby didn't play. Derek Carr didn't play. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, they didn't play. They evaluated the guys that could play, and they didn't think that Trayvon Mullen or Alex Leatherwood was good enough to be on this team long term, period. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor tweeted 38 minutes ago, lost in the Alex Leatherwood shuffle. The Raiders really like Thayer Munford as their sooner-than-later starter at right tackle. Week one might be a little ambitious, you think? 
coming off an injury, but he's firmly running when he's back. He's running when he gets back. So he'll, he has an opportunity to start at right tackle. Do I like that? No, I don't like that, but my opinion doesn't matter. I just have an opinion. doesn't matter the way the coach does or the GM. Do I want to see a seventh-round pick? Not a second or a first-round pick, but the first-round pick was no good. Do I want to see a seventh-round pick have to block Joey Bosa? No. That's why I'm hoping Dave Ziegler is working on the phones as we speak, trying to get a trade for a right tackle or a swing right tackle. And I think they're going to try to do that. I really do. I've been, there's one thing if I get that wrong, I'll admit it. I got a lot of things right. I got some things wrong. No one thought that they were going to see these players not be on this roster. I speak for many when I say that. But the one thing I was hoping to get right was a new body on the offensive line today or tomorrow. I'm counting on it because I think it's imperative and I think it's very important for this team. Uh, when we come back, Brandon Cristal is going to join us. He covers the Broncos as we go around the league. We're still waiting on the Raiders' official count on that 53-man roster. When we have that, we'll break in live. We schedule Brandon Cristal as we're going around the AFC West. I wanted to get him in today to hit on the Broncos. And then next week, we're off on Monday for Labor Day. And then we start our insider season, beginning on Tuesday with Paul Gutierrez, Bill Williamson, Vic Tafer. Uh, Kevin Bollinger, Vince Sapienza, Harry Ruiz, all the Raider insiders you come to expect on my show. The cool part about um, to be able to almost start all over again is you, you're able to learn from your experiences of what's gone really, 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 really well. Learn from the experiences of, okay, what could we have done better? What could I have done better? And then also, too, with the opportunity to just continue to learn. Bobby, who is that soundbite here as we come back? JT with you as we continue on Raider Nation Radio. Russell Wilson. Perfect. That makes a lot of sense here. I can't recognize voices as good or listen as good today. Got a little bit of head cold going on in one ear that will work out. JT, back with you as we continue on. I got a big week coming up with the Raiders, coming off uh, MC and halftime of Alumni Weekend. I'll be the MC for the state of the team with the president of the team, the head coach, and the GM coming up on Thursday for those selected and season ticket holders who will be a part of that in front of a live audience. And a Zoom call, so that's coming up as I'm prepping for that on Thursday. And we're waiting for the Raiders' final roster countdown. If we don't get it here by the end of the show, uh, definitely Q will have it coming up here. Uh, no surprises today. Shocking surprises. Alex Leatherwood isn't a shocking surprise. The surprise is Trayvon Mullen was traded to Arizona for a conditional seventh, which could become a six. All right, we got him. Brandon Cristal, my buddy from KOA. With the Broncos, Broncos insider, kind enough to join us as we're going around the AFC West as the Raiders are in the division with Denver. They got the Chargers coming up first. Brandon, good to talk to you. And let's begin with the preseason. What's it been like for the Broncos? Can they live up to this hype? You know, I I don't like to sit on the fence and say I don't know. But because of the way Nathaniel Hackett's run this camp, and Nathaniel Hackett, who finally after saying, you know, it's a risk-reward all camp long where no starters played, any any preseason game, no real starters, I should say, no bona fide starters. And every third day was a regen day where they would go jog through at about 65, 70% pace after two days of going pretty hard. It seemed, you know, like truly camp cupcake, if you will. But he then cited when his dad was with the Jets and Chad Pennington goes down in a meaningless preseason game and that derailed the Jets' season. And so now he spent time with Matt LaFleur the last three years. 
the Packers don't put their starters in because Matt LaFleur was around Sean McVay, and he doesn't play any of his starters. Well, those teams have had pretty mm-hmm. good success. Kyle Shanahan hadn't played too many starters. He had to play the O-line with Trey Lance in game one. But if you look at the rest of that roster, the rest of that depth chart, he's not playing starters. We just saw the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell's not playing starters. So it's kind of becoming the norm, but that also makes it kind of hard to evaluate this team because the defense looked way ahead of the offense for a good chunk of training camp. But at the same time, we know Russell Wilson in games finds ways to make plays. And so you give him some of these weapons that the Broncos have and Nathaniel Hackett's creative play calling. I think they're going to be good, but I can't tell you based on what I've seen over the last five weeks, six weeks, that, that they're definitively going to be great. Uh, tell me about the edge rush and Chubb and what they have, because we know on the back end, this is just a tremendous secondary of ball hawks and playmakers who really can turn the ball over quickly and set up a short field. The rest of that defense from the back that I just mentioned all the way through the linebackers and the pass rush. Yeah, the, obviously the guys on the back, Pat Sertan may be the best corner in footballers on a short list. Mm-hmm. Justin Simmons may be the best safety in footballers on a on a short list. He's been a second-team All-Pro two of the last three years and, and a pro bowler in the middle there, so maybe this year he marries those two. Kareem Jackson's a hard hitter. Ronald Darby, when healthy, has been good, and they add K1 Williams, who's been the slot guy for the Niners. So they're really, really good on the back end. They might be the best secondary in football. And as they'll tell you, the secondary helps the rush, you know, coverage helps the rush, rush helps the coverage. Well, Bradley Chubb looks healthy, truly healthy for the first time in, in, in probably three years since the 2019 season when he ended up starting in the Pro Bowl in year two for him there. So I think that with Chubb knowing he's in a contract year, the Broncos picked up his fifth-year option, but there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to sign him to an extension because they signed Randy Gregory, who there's certainly question marks about, but shows plenty of physical ability so i have those two guys but then the other guy it was a name that you're going to want to remember jt especially come october 2nd when the broncos and raiders get together is baron Browning, who played a bunch of snaps at inside linebacker mm-hmm. he was the number one recruited high school player coming out of outside of dallas fort worth ends up at ohio state or gets you know gets his way to ohio state and plays inside and outside there he didn't go outside till his last year then the broncos play him inside his rookie year he's fine in the middle but they decided to put him outside and he has just been wreaking havoc in practice in every preseason game that he's played. I mean, they have had a tough time with the Bills, but against the Cowboys, and again the other day, he had a couple pressures, a scoop and score. So they've kind of got a three-headed monster, and then they've got young guys behind those three, uh, like Nick Benito, their highest draft pick at the end of the second round. So if that pass rush can get together, and then one other named Draymond Jones, he's in a contract year, another Ohio State guy who's been really disruptive mm-hmm. as an interior pass rusher. If they put it all together, the defense could be actually better than some of these Vic Fangio defenses, but that's still a big question mark. Brandon Cristal joins a sports anchor reporter for KOA in Colorado. All the great work he covers, covering all sports, especially the Denver Broncos. So explain to me this ownership move here and the worth of the team now. And I was surprised that you had an owner, one of the owners, that could be as rich as any owner, uh, richer than Kroenke, uh, as rich as Tepper or close to it, and there's multiple partners here. How is this structured? You and I are fascinated by this geek stuff with teams and ownership and who's the president and who's the GM and all this. How does the new structure look for the Broncos with ownership down to the executives? Well, I'll explain it quickly and, and just say, JT, I know how much you love your parents and love your dad. Well, Carrie Penner and now her husband, Greg Penner, should really thank Rob Walton, who is Sam Walton's son. He's technically Samuel Robson Walton Jr., so the founder of Walmart, who's worth somewhere between 57 and $70 billion. He bought the team with them running it day-to-day, and they have their own money. Greg Penner runs a venture capital firm and is the chairman of the board of Walmart, 
but he's running kind of the day-to-day. They just announced a new team president, introduced him, a guy named Damani Leach, who is African-American, the fourth African-American team president, comes over from the league office. He's been running NFL International the last few years. But the ownership group, so Rob Walton wrote the check, the $4.65 billion check. In addition to his daughter, Carrie Walton-Penner, and her husband, Greg, who they're there the most, we've seen them certainly the most, they also added Melody Hobson, who is the chair of the board of directors of Starbucks and runs a huge venture capital firm out of Chicago. You know, she is as as much of the American dream as anybody you could ever think of coming up, you know, from nothing in Chicago, starting as an intern at this firm after going to, you know, a really good school where she had a full scholarship there. And now she's one of the most powerful African-American women in, in business across the world. Oh, and by the way, she's married to George Lucas. We know that he created Star Wars, sold it mm. to Disney. So they've got some money in, in the bank. And then they also added Condoleezza Rice because of the rooms that she's been in and her love of football and her knowledge of football and, and kind of understanding the way the world works. And then they also, Melody Hobson got them to talk to Lewis Hamilton and they brought the F1 superstar in. Wow. I don't know what those percentages are. And, you know, Lewis Hamilton, we probably won't see him at the Biltmore, at the owners' meetings in Phoenix or, or at the Breakers, at the owners' meetings in, in Palm mm-hmm. Beach or wherever they may be next. But it's still going to be cool if they win a Super Bowl and Lewis Hamilton is on the, on the stage helping hoist the trophy. Uh, but they, it's an emphasis on diversity throughout the organization. At the same time, Rob Walton, one of the richest people in America, he's who wrote the check, but he didn't even know Roger mm-hmm. Goodell's name. At his intro presser, he, presser, he called him uh, Commissioner Goodell, Roger Goodell. <laughs> so it gives you an idea wow. how much Rob Walton wa- watches football. But he is, a good, he is a good dad in this case and a good father-in-law because yeah. the Penners have four kids. They're in their early 50s. They're going to own this team for 60 years, and you know, unless they decide to sell it. Yeah. How do you know so much? I mean, this is a deep dive. This is something you don't read out of a press release here, man. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of chefs in that kitchen, that very expensive kitchen there. But it's a big deal because, you know, the Raider valuation, I think, went from one-plus billion, whatever, one-nine to five-plus. And just to see this, as long as you've been covering the league, and I've been doing it a little bit longer than you, the valuations of this team, and this will be a great investment because the new owners of the Broncos will have this franchise at 4.5 probably in three or four years worth seven or eight billion dollars and double their investment that's just the way the business works as you know with amazon and these streaming companies which we're both fascinated in the prices of these companies and teams go up up and up well and we know the value of live sports certainly you know sirius xm who you work with the raiders who you work for as well they there's a premium on live sports and live sporting events and so whether it's live tennis, live baseball, live basketball, certainly NFL football, the rights fees are going to keep going up because I'll just always go back to what we saw last year and we'll probably see it again this year. 92 of the top 100 rated TV shows in the fall were NFL games. And that's not changing, even if how you consume it might change. You may not watch it on on your local Fox or CBS affiliate because you're going to watch it on some streaming service, but you're going to watch it, right? And they can track it. Streaming services, they can probably track more easily. So it's not a bad investment. Stan Kroenke, who is actually cousins, uh, or rather his wife is cousins with Rob Walton because she's Bud Walton's daughter. He talked about it when the ownership sale was approved, and we got to talk to Stan, which is something we don't get on the record very often in Denver, even though he owns four pro teams here, if you count the lacrosse and and soccer team plus basketball and hockey. But he he said, look, it's going to be a great investment, just like it was for us and our family. It's going to be a great investment for the Waltons. And if Mark Davis were to ever sell, he'd easily get $5 billion, probably more. And Jerry Jones talked about it a few months back. 
if he sold the Cowboys, he thinks he could get $10 billion, and I think he may be undervaluing it. Yeah. Yeah, you could be. Look, look, Nick Saban's undervalued at his contract. Everything in sports is undervalued. Man, we should do this on a podcast, too, and break down. I have, I have a funny feeling five years from now we'll remember this conversation when you're hanging with the, with the Walton somewhere on some retreat in Coeur d'Alene because you guessed right on all this. You got to know him well. You did a great job, and they're hooking you up on the private jet. So continued success, my friend, unless it's the Broncos at the Raiders or vice versa, and I'll see you soon. Yeah, I'll see you October 2nd in Vegas, and then afterwards going to go see Darius Rucker playing that night. Nice. A little concert after that that night. I know that one of the big events coming up for the Raiders. I know the night before the Raiders' home opener, I'll be ringside for Triple G versus Canelo, the trilogy fight. How's that weekend going to look? Wow. Also, a couple of housekeeping items. I'm back with my Monday night football show at Resorts World. It'll be inside two spots, Red Tail. And on top of the doghouse, where we'll predominantly be, I'll be there once a month, but we'll promote it all year. We'll be giving away everything from jerseys to uh, room nights there at Resorts World, the newest and most expensive property, the biggest one on the Strip. Excited about that. I'm back with my podcast at Virgin Hotels that have gone really well the first two. Virgin loves it, getting a good download for them. And I got great friends over at Virgin. We're very happy about that. And then on top of everything, we're at M Resort. Right, We're at M for the pregame for the Raiders road games. So that's coming up at the Chargers right around the corner. Come on out to the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Modelo has me at Cafe Americano the Friday before the home opener. The Friday before the home opener, we're at Cafe Americano where we were for the draft. We had an overflow crowd. So I want everybody to please come to that. Courtesy of Modelo. And that's about it. I don't know what else I have else going on, but it's pretty busy. And it's good to be busy. Q's going to be Friday's busy. Motley Crue and Def Leppard at Allegiant. That is a, what is that? This Friday, Bobby? Motley Crue, Def Leppard? That's a week from this Friday. A week from this Friday. Maybe we should have that old contest I did in the Bay Area, take the brick to the game. I used to, I used to say, take me to the game and I'll buy you beer. Because of Vince Neal, and I don't know everything about how great he's performing, so I'm getting mixed reviews. Maybe we'll let one lucky fan with good seats take me to the Def Leppard Motley Crue show, and I will buy the beers. Maybe we'll do a promotion there as I give back if you give to me. Great day, Bobby. We, we didn't know what was going to happen today. We hit the air. Leatherwood was waived, and Trayvon Mullen was traded. Uh, that Leatherwood was kind of expected, but I didn't expect that about Trayvon Mullen. Q is coming up next, and Q will have everything. I'm sure the Raiders are going to announce their final 53 during his slot. And you'll be able to hear that, and he'll break it to you first. So Alex Leatherwood cut. Uh, there's a lot of first-rounders who didn't pan out here in the former regime. Alex Leatherwood, Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs III. How does that happen? How does that happen? Those are big picks that the Raiders literally got nothing out of. Nothing out of. I like Trayvon Mullen. Thought he'd make the roster. I thought Kenyon Drake would make the roster. I thought Demarcus Robinson would make the roster. But I'm understanding what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are trying to do here. And they're only taking players they believe can play at their level, not the level of Gruden, Mayock, Jack Del Rio, Reggie McKenzie. These are the new guys over from the world champion Patriots. They were part of a dynasty, and they're doing it their way. And it's their way or the highway if you're a player on this team, that's for sure. Q on deck. He's got a monster show lined up. His lineup looks great as always. I will see you back here tomorrow on the flagship of the Raiders.